Beautiful humans, this is Jonathan Perez. I am very, very excited to present to you a conversation with one of my very dear friends, Leilani Wagner. Leilani is an intuitive coach, business consultant, writer, future doctor of chiropractic. She also has a master's degree in sports management, bachelor's degree in psychology, and holds a certification to teach vinyasa yoga. She also facilitates women's circles, empowering the feminine embodiment and balance of masculine energy that we all have. Having an innate ability to connect with the ethereal, she uses this gift in her work as a coach, facilitator, writer, and future chiropractor. In addition to that, she's also my really, really great friend <laughs> and someone who I admire very greatly, and hence the reason I wanted to have a conversation with her and bring her wisdom and her gifts to the podcast for you to hear from her, how she breaks down transformation from her point of view. And also in the conversation, she shares some really powerful experiences that I really love because it helps us translate how the journey can unfold for us when we, when we go deep, but also she shares a lot about how to overcome some of the most difficult challenges that you can imagine someone having. So with all that being said, we're going to dive right into the conversation. Let me know your thoughts and also reach out to Leilani if something resonated with you. You'll find all the links in the show notes to connect with her. But without further ado, let's dive in. Leilani, the one and the one and only. <laughs> Definitely not lonely. <laughs> I'm like, no, not lonely. The one and only. That's That's what I meant to say. Cool, cool, cool. Good to have you on. I've always admired the heck out of you. And we've been through we've been through some stuff together and some experiences, workshops, courses, whatever you want to call those, and gotten our asses kicked in a beautiful way together. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And so what I thought we would start with, having done the the more formal intro at the very beginning. Yeah, if you can share in your own if you, in your own words how you, you serve in the world and who are you? Wow. How do I even answer this question without getting too philosophical? Okay. My name is Leilani Wagner, middle name, Anne, trying to own that more. And the ways in which I show up in the world are many. I am currently a doctor of chiropractic student. I'm in the beginning of my second year of three years. And I am also an oracle reader. I am a facilitator of healing, whether that's through circles or uh, coaching or just passing you on the street and asking you a question that you didn't know that you needed. I like to think that I am the queen of questions. Uh, well, so I show up in the world. I show up as a friend, as a sister, as a daughter, as a, I feel like, mother figure to some people. And I have lived many lives in this one life that has allowed me to also be a business consultant in some days and um, have worked in professional sports, have worked in collegiate sports, have worked in education, have worked in holistic health from multiple standpoints, taught yoga for a while. So yeah, I wear a lot of hats, lived a lot of lives. Love it. Maybe a better question is what haven't you done and what That's don't you do? <laughs> Never been a race car driver, but I have definitely driven fast on the freeway. Yes. I think we all have. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. And for me, I mean, you're a badass. That's the way I see you, frankly speaking. 
when I think exactly. of you. And it's really cool to witness because I, I, I've seen, well, for the time that I've known you, your, your own embodiment and transformation. And one of the reasons I, I wanted to bring you on, one, obviously, because you, you hold so much wisdom, obviously, but having worked with so many people, I know now you work with so many people, both in, in well, in many ways, I know you're doing a lot more hands-on work now with people through your chiropractic work, but I know that based on your experience and what you lived through that you've not only done it for yourself, but you have a philosophy, a way of thinking in terms of what it takes to get from point A to point B. And, and the cool part is many people that I speak to, even with myself, right, that we all have a similar destination, but the beautiful part is there's so many ways to get there. And I thought it'd be awesome to have you share some of that philosophy in terms of what you believe it takes for someone to really get what they want, to achieve what they want, to become who they want to be. And then through that, I can extract some of your, your more nuanced life experiences and lessons that I think will be, will be super valuable. And so I think the way to frame that is if, if you were to have, let's say someone coming into your, wherever you, wherever you serve, or wherever you work are online or whatever, and they, they hire you and they say, Leilani, I want to learn from you. And I want you to help me understand what is it really going to take for me for, to get from point A to point B, to become who I want to be. And if you want to articulate how you would share what the high level overview of that journey looks like. Great question. I, as you're asking, I was starting to think about, okay, how am I going to answer this question? And there are a handful of things that come to mind. I think for every person's journey, ultimately it's different. One of the ways in which I support people is through Oracle card readings. And the beautiful thing about those readings is the cards are ultimately a reflection of the person and where they are in life and where they've been and where they're going. And while I might be the one reading the cards, the person's energy is what's coming through me to be a mirror for them. And so it's being willing to be honest with yourself. I think honesty is the number one piece. Honest with yourself to be able to be open to receiving that information, to be open to exposing that information. With that, there's a level of vulnerability that needs to happen to be willing to open your heart, express that, whether that's through the cards, through a conversation, and then being willing to be open within to give the answers that you actually need to pull out of yourself. Because ultimately, the answers are within you. Sometimes we just don't want to say what they are because it's uncomfortable. And that's also a part of it is the uncomfortability. Growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone is the phrase that everyone says. And ultimately, it's true. That's why everyone says it. Do you have to do a cold plunge every day to be uncomfortable and change your life? No. Uh, I think actually there's research that shows that you shouldn't do it every day, specifically for like women. But uh, so truth, vulnerability, openness, getting uncomfortable and, and grace, being graceful with yourself because we can be so hard on ourselves when trying to go through this healing process. And if we're not graceful with ourselves, then we can run away real quick because it's it's challenging, it's hard, it's uncomfortable. So grace, grace comes in for sure, grace and compassion. The journey itself, like I said, for everyone is different depending on where they are in their healing journey. If they've done some pieces before, how willing they are to, to get open and raw and real and vulnerable. And so the, those are the key things that, that I'll start with. So it sounds like you 
well, obviously you're gauging where they're at to determine what's going to best serve them because it sounds like that's what makes your approach very valuable because you're not just being a cookie cutter approach, the same thing for everyone. It's very personal, personalized. Can you speak a bit more about the, I'm very curious, the Oracle reading piece. And you mentioned that ultimately, because I think that's where people can get a little lost in the woo-woo of like, oh, yeah, the cards are supposed to tell me, you know, what, what I, what I should be doing with my life and all that stuff. And I'm sure you get that reaction often. And I say that because that used to be me too, until I understood a little bit more of the science so to speak behind how it supports people but if you can share a bit about how you got into that but also how someone can think about it in a way that that can actually serve them and and not get caught up in the yeah i guess for lack of a better term you know the misperception on the woo-woo end where people just shut it down completely yeah i was having a conversation today about energy and woo-woo as a concept ultimately there really isn't anything that's woo-woo. There is science behind everything. And whether or not you want to believe that science is up to you. I mean, we've seen that over the last four years of whether or not people want to believe science and what actually is the science and what is being perceived as science when it's actually not science. So I would talk about energy because ultimately everyone's exuding an energy. And for people who are sensitive to energy can pick up on that. And there's a theory that whatever is happening within you is going to be exposed to the world around you. So if you're going through pain and suffering on the inside and not acknowledging that, you're going to see the pain and suffering in the world. And so the cards as an oracle reader, the cards are just that. It's the energy that you're exuding being transmitted through the cards. There's an exercise that you can do with people where you stand maybe three feet apart, if that, and one person closes their eyes and the other person will try to like bring their hand closer and then bring their hand farther apart. And the person with their eyes closed will let them know when they can start to feel their hand. And so it shows that I can feel your energy, even if I'm not touching you. And with that, it comes through the cards. And for me, as someone who is sensitive to energy, I'll hear questions that come through as I'm reading the description or whatever the card has said or whatever the card meaning is. And I'll ask those questions to the person. Sometimes they resonate, sometimes they don't, but for the most part, they do. And there's a theory around people who are empaths that had to grow up in environments where they had to be on edge and always be aware of their surroundings and feel what the energy of the room is. And so sometimes that energy can come through as those questions and thoughts. And so while it might be a trauma response for me to have those, I'm using it to my advantage and to support people to elevate their experience and to help heal and transform in life. And then I go through my process to clear and, and release so that I'm not holding on to that, that energy or that information. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. So it sounds like it's yeah, if we go deeper into the rabbit hole. The phrase that came through was the as within, so without, right? So whatever energy is coming through you, again, without going on the rabbit hole of how that'll manifest, but the, the cards are going to support you in seeing whatever is happening inside of you. And it sounds like you can pick up on that and you just trust whatever's coming through you because of the energetic resonance that's happening there. And it seems that people will resonate with that and so that begins to unravel uh, the value that's that's happening there and to your point because i've been in those situations where yeah not always do all the questions someone asks resonate right and i think we just have to be okay with that and, and not cling 
to that or make it mean anything. I think it's probably the other piece. <laughs> and so that's awesome. Uh, and I think for anyone open to trying that, I think it's, it's a pretty cool experience, the, that, that process. I've gone through it too. To add to that really quick, like you don't need someone who is an Oracle reader to do that. Like you can buy your own deck and pull your own card. And that is also a way to see that it's a reflection of your energy because you're the one pulling the card. There's a theory that if somebody gives you the deck, that it feels like that is the deck that you're meant to receive and be able to work with versus buying your own deck because now you're having ego and um, educated mind come through to choose your deck versus letting it choose you. Mm, that's awesome. No, you're right. And funny enough, I think it was like a three or four weeks ago, uh, I was at an event and they just, just for fun, they had us choose a card. <laughs> and of course my intellectual mind's like, ah, oh, fuck, here we go with the Oracle, whatever. And, and I pick up the card and then I read in the little book and I was like, damn, that's extremely relevant to what's happening in my life right now. And, and again, I think it was really a lesson to, to open up and, and really work with my own mind of Jonathan, can you just receive the message and allow it to impact you? Or do you want to get caught up in the ego intellectual understanding of trying to quote unquote, make sense of this. And they used to block me a lot from those lessons. So, and that's where I wanted to go next uh, with you on, because I'm sure you work and you witness many different people, right? Some are more open, some are more receptive or quote unquote ready, like willing. And some of them perhaps are not quite there yet. And so I'm curious if you, or when you get people who are resistant or maybe they, they want to make a change, but they, they they don't have the willingness perhaps yet. How have you worked with those types of people? And what were you, what would you suggest for someone perhaps that is wanting to make a change, but perhaps they're afraid or, or they don't know where to start really. Afraid and wanting to make a change, but not knowing where to start. I think of our dear friend, Sheena Jean, and shout out, make one day happen, <laughs> because ultimately that's it. You make your one day happen. You can keep staying on the sidelines. You can keep saying, I'm not ready. And then whenever, when are you ever going to be ready? It's not about being ready. It's about being willing. If you feel like you want change in your life, then do something small to make the change. If you get up at 6 a.m. every day, maybe get up at 5.45. Or if you take the same route to work or school or the gym every day, take a detour, take a route you've never gone before. Maybe don't use your GPS and get a little lost and see what happens. You never know where you're going to end up and it might take you to a place that you didn't know that you needed. So I think it's we don't have to make it be this big beast of change. It can be something really small. And then stacking the small changes will make the bigger changes and or will make the bigger changes seem more easier or easily. So I think making small changes, whether it's changing your coffee order or just doing something small to get out of the comfort zone or to break a pattern is the first step. And then if you're willing to do that over and over and over again, the bigger change or confronting the things that seem scary are not as scary. It's always going to be scary, but you're more willing and more capable to dive into that scariness. Yeah. I love that. So what I hear you saying is 
it doesn't always have to be jumping off the cliff, which I think in this type of work, it's conveyed in that way. Or I don't know, you watch the movies or whatever, and it's like, you got to make a 180, 100% like now, where sometimes that's potentially valid for some people. But I think if someone, to your point, what I'm hearing you say is if they're resistant or maybe they're afraid of what might happen is, okay, well, why don't you just take one tiny step to prove to yourself that you can do that? And it sounds like the culmination of that is what you're suggesting will will prove to us that we can do it. Yeah. I mean, there's the theory that you make a, you build a habit or something about making a habit over 30 days. You do the same thing for 30 days and then it becomes a habit or becomes a routine. And then it's no longer a challenge to do because you've done it for so long and for so often we bring it back into sports, like practice Steph Curry didn't become Steph Curry by only going to the gym once a day for 10 minutes. You know, he puts in his reps to be able to hit the shots that he does even under pressure. So it's, it's the reps in the change. It's the reps in the uncomfortability. That's what's a beautiful thing about like cold showers or breath work. You know, it's a controlled environment that you can make small changes of uncomfortability that ultimately stack up to making, helping you make bigger changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about, I mean, we can give many examples, right? Steph Curry is an awesome one where to perfect that shot that he has to your point, it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to go to the gym, shoot once, and now it's all done. And so it, get, it reminds me of, yeah, the reality that you have to be, you have to want it. Like how bad do you want it? And I have a pretty strong feeling if I were to ask to your point, like whether it's a Steph Curry or Kobe, God bless his soul, or Michael Jordan, they fucking wanted it. And you can tell by their effort and consistency, they didn't care what was going down. They were going to be in that gym practicing. It reminds me of it's the practice on the day-to-day basis. That's not quote unquote, so strenuous that when game day comes, it's not as crazy because you're ready for it. Exactly. Yeah. I I knew the sports example would resonate with you. (laughs) (laughs) It never goes away. I love that. I love that. So do you have a specific story that comes to your mind or an example where, or perhaps in a similar way, I was asking that question where you faced something that felt just like, how am I going to overcome this one? I don't know. And, and, and then just share with us what you did and then what you experienced afterwards, after overcoming whatever that was. Yeah. Uh, the, the first one that comes to mind is a lot of people that are in my circles know that my dad had dementia. He had vascular dementia in the last few years of his life. And in the last year, two years, I was one of his main caregivers before he um, was in a, a care home. And that was probably one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. I, I thought about taking my own life multiple times because it was just one, it was so taxing on my body to wake up in the middle of the night, redirect him when he would, you know, wake up and try to leave or, you know, his sundowning, it would just get really violent. Um, But also the emotional taxing of having someone you love very dearly and also are working through your own history and, and healing with degrade in front of you and not recognize who you are there was a time where he was getting upset about something and didn't realize who I was and I tried to show a picture of me as a kid and immediately sent him into a like oh my god this person wants to kidnap my child 
like my six-year-old child and like swung at me and attacked me. And that was so challenging. It, I have like, it, yeah, it keeps, it stops me. Like it, it chokes me up. I, I can't relate the, the depth of pain that happened in that, that year or two. And knowing that I could get through that, I knew I could get through anything. And so even as school, like I said, I'm in school right now and as challenging, I know that if I got through that, I can get through this program. As challenging as this program is, it's nothing in comparison to what that was. I know that I also had to go through that and that challenging experience to be able to support people who are also either going through that as caregivers for their parents or elders and or just in this program. Like I have held space for so many people at this school and I'm so grateful to be able to do so because they don't tell you when you come to school that this is going to rock your nervous system, even though you're supposed to be a doctor of the nervous system. It's you, they tell you that you're going to come out a completely different person, but they don't tell you how. So it's not something I consciously chose per se for that to happen. But from a spiritual standpoint, like my dad and I had a sacred contract for me to go through that with him and build me up to the person that I am now as challenging as that was, like, I'm grateful to still be here. Yeah. Thank you for sharing Leilani. I could feel your heart in this. And yeah, I, I love the point you're making because it sounds like as, as hard as, and, and painful as that was that on the other side, it's, it's serving you now. And again, and I say this to people often, like when you're in it, it's hard to think about that, you know, cause in the growth mindset, it's like, this is going to serve you. And, but when you're in the moment, it, it's hard to remember that. And, and, and I have to work through that too. So uh, through your personal experience, I'm sure I'm curious if you're willing to share a bit about how you specifically worked with those moments where perhaps you were suicidal or perhaps you were like, this is it. And, and the reason I would love for you to share that is because anybody listening, you know, whether they've had those moments or they, they run into one of those, just receiving your wisdom of what did you do in the moment to say, or continue on. So by that point, I had already been pretty well on this like spiritual path and this this path of whether it's working with plant medicine or through retreats, um, working with coaches, had been listening to a variety of podcasts that were dropping knowledge and wisdom all the time. And so one of the things that I was reminded of, like everything happens for you, not to you. So that was my mantra as much as possible and trying to see the lesson in, in every challenging moment. And in those moments particular where it was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I had two things come to mind. One, I knew it was going to be that much harder for my mom to have to go through it alone. And I did not want to do that to her. And I had... I really wish I knew where this person was. In high school, there was AOL and there was AIM or whatever it was called, AOL Instant Messenger. And we met in like a chat room. I don't remember what it was for, but we were like two high school girls on opposite ends of the country connected. And in high school, I also had had suicidal thoughts. It was really challenging for me. 
And one of the times I'd share that with her, she said, you know, you die once in your life, but you die every day in those lives that you've touched. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to do that to the people that I love. And so I, I knew that I had a bigger purpose and that all was going to play out some way. And I just had to really trust that. Love that. Yeah, and it sounds like the, the wisdom you were receiving from whatever you were plugged into, you, you consciously had to remember. And the way I'm thinking about this, just by going through your experiences, you gained some knowledge, you had some wisdom from others that they shared with you. And then you were in the experience and you had to apply the thing that you had learned and you had to put it to practice. Right. And this is where it, may, it makes a lot of sense where somebody can tell you this is happening for you, but you have to go through that for that to make sense to you not just in an intellectual basis which is yeah i'm all about that it's the experience totally yeah and i i think of like i i don't want it to seem like oh i just told myself these things and then i was fine like no i allowed myself to go through the gamut of emotions that came with that experience whether it was i remember feeling super rageful of like i just wish he was okay or i wish he would just stop doing this or whatever it was and i would go in my room and i would slam the shit out of my walls with a pillow i went to batting practice with that pillow and then i staged it afterwards of course but <laughs> just like allowing yourself to go through what you're feeling and as safe as possible without harming anyone else and there were moments where i asking for help had been a challenge for me up until that point. And so asking for more help was necessary for my survival. And so if I needed to cry and just vent about something, there were people that I knew I could call. When my dad passed away, I knew there were people that I knew I had just had to reach out to and grateful that they showed up when they did. But community, having those people, allowing yourself to have those feelings and to go through it are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So it sounds like you had some tools to work with. Uh, and, and I love what you said for anyone listening, if you're going to go to go to bat with the pillow or whatever to yeah, do it in a, in a safe space where you're not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's a really cool. And I'm curious before I have a couple of things I wanted to ask you, but based on your experience, I know you, you've done that with many clients as well. What are some now tools that you teach with to your clients for emotional processing? Like if someone is experiencing the welling up of the emotion, whether it's sadness, anger, grief, frustration, whatever, obviously the conditioning, and I speak for myself too, obviously is suppress it or try and make it go away. But again, without going down the rabbit hole, that just leads to disease and, and it's not good. So what are some practical things that you would suggest for people uh, to release that or to move that, that you've seen be very successful for yourself or your clients? That's a great question. I think on my Instagram page, and I can share this later there, I actually have like a process that I wrote out. But ultimately, it's allowing yourself to feel it. When you allow yourself to actually feel an emotion and use it as a meditation, where you don't create story from it, you, you just be with it as if like a friend is coming to talk to you about something, you just allow it and sit with it. If you start saying like, oh, I feel this because of this, or there's a story that comes attached to that emotion, the meditation is, thank you, I love you, I let you go, I'm just going to be with this. Allow yourself to feel that. And when you allow yourself to just feel without the story attached to it and spiraling from that, the emotion only lasts for maybe 90 seconds. 
So if you can sit with that meditation for 90 seconds, I think three minutes is like the max, which people meditate for like 45 minutes sometimes. So if you can do 90 seconds to three minutes, that's great. Um, so allowing yourself to just allow yourself to feel the emotion. And then from there, when you're ready and you're not always ready after you feel the emotion, journal about it. Why did this come up? What is this emotion telling me? Because emotion is energy in motion. So what is this message from this energy? And when you have a journaling practice, and this is another key piece is to be able to have a journaling practice. There's a book called The Artist's Way that I always recommend to people by Julia Cameron. And there's an artist's way practice where in the morning you write for three pages, you fill up three pages with anything, whether it's I'm writing for three pages, I'm writing for three pages until something else comes up to get into that practice of just letting the hand come to paper and letting things come through. And so when you journal, you're able to transmute that energy because it's going from thought into paper, into substance and releasing it from your body. And so asking yourself, why did that emotion come through? What's the message that I have? Like whatever it is prompt wise that you need from that, put it on the paper and then just write, let it come through. That's where I think a meditation practice can also be helpful because you're allowing yourself one to sit with the emotion and just feel it without the story. And then two, you're allowing yourself to move through that energy onto the paper and not to filter what is being come through, like just letting the words come through. So that's my process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you said you have this on a post, so you can share that with me and we can link it. Okay. Super cool. And one follow-up question that I had is, and, and I've had this question too, but you might have gotten this question where they're like, okay, Leilani, I love that. But what if I'm like at work or I'm doing stuff? Like, what am I supposed to do in those moments? Do I just leave the situation and go process? Or what do you suggest when I'm in the moment of doing something that I can't take care of it in the moment? Two things come to mind. I had a moment last week where I was getting really overwhelmed. I had like some uncomfortable news come through right before class. And I didn't quite, it didn't quite hit until I got into class. And then class got really overwhelming and it surfaced this anxiety in my chest. And I was like, oh, I need to cry. And so I left the classroom. I told, I think I told my partner that I was in there with, I was like, hey, I need to just step out for like five minutes. I'll be back. And he knows me well enough to know that if I need to cry, I just need to go cry. And so I went, I cried, I got it out. And I felt like I was in a space to ask, like, what is this here for? And I was able to answer that question because I don't filter myself because I know if I filter myself, it's going to bite me in the ass. So asked the question, got my answer, sat with the emotion, and then I went back to class. It was fine. If you don't feel like you can get up and leave a meeting or get up from your desk and go to the bathroom or you don't have a safe space where you feel like you can cry, then say, I see you, I feel you, I hear you, and I will sit with you later. But you have to honor that promise with yourself. And whether you, like, sometimes when I do that with myself, the emotion doesn't come up later. And so, like, I'll watch an episode of Grey's Anatomy that I know is going to make me cry or something that's going to bring up anger, whatever the emotion that I was starting to feel, I'll provoke that to then be able to go back to that space 
Love that. So many layers in wisdom. That That's awesome. And so it sounds like just to summarize what I'm hearing is one, if you're in a space where you authentically can just take a moment for yourself and, and go and, and process in whatever way feels right to go and take care of, of yourself in that way. In that case, you had the opportunity to say, you know what, I know that what I'm about to go learn or sit through is great, but I got to go take care of this because I'm, I'm imagining you wanted to be at your best. And so you have to go take care of that, which makes a lot of sense. And then in the moments where maybe you can't, or you might not have the space to do that, to your point, honoring that that's happening, not dismiss it, but just honoring like, okay, this is happening inside of me. I, I'm not going to disregard it. And then consciously actually later on, give it some attention in whatever way feels right. Yep. In the same way that like, if a friend called you and said, Hey, I need support on something and you don't have capacity. Hey, I don't have capacity right now. I'll have capacity probably this evening. I'll get in touch with you then. It's the same thing with the emotion. Hey, I don't have capacity right now. I will sit with you later and I promise to do so. Yeah. Love that. I love how you just very skillfully also taught us how to set a boundary with a friend when we don't have capacity. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's a way to honor ourselves as well. Love it. Love it. And I always ask, I don't, I'm doing better about asking my friends, Hey, do you have capacity to listen or do you have capacity to just hold space? I just need to get this off my chest. Yeah. I love that. Cool. So where I'm feeling the hit to go next is what are some of the things like when you get people, whether they're in-person clients uh, or whatever work with you, you do with them uh, and all the modalities you work with, what are some of the things that you want people to know? Like, what are some of the things about the spiritual path, emotional work, healing, what are just give us the nuggets of things that you want people to know as they embark on the path or wisdom you really would love for them to embrace? People don't give themselves enough credit as to how magical each one of us really is. Like We are each a walking effing miracle. The fact that we wake up and just take a breath, our heart is still beating, we are still breathing, is a miracle in itself. The fact that we are one out of eight billion people in this world Like you have better odds at winning the lottery than being on this planet right now. Each one of us was called to be here for some reason. And so if you don't know why you're here, that is a beautiful space to get to discover. Is it scary? Sure. Could it be as small as like, I'm here to be a mom to this specific person. I'm here to make sure this tree gets planted. Like it doesn't have to be this grandiose, like I'm here to save the world. But ultimately like there is impact that you have to share in the world. Don't let, I think, I don't remember who says this quote, but like, don't let the song die within you. Like each of us have a song to sing. If you don't sing it, someone else that's meant to hear it is not going to find you. And that's a disservice to them. That's a disservice to your sacred contract here. You are magical, a miracle. Own that. And this life, as challenging and as so many things that are happening right now that are just so disheartening, don't lose hope. Because if you lose hope, then the people that are creating those experiences that are disheartening win. You have so much more power than you give yourself credit for. 
So embrace that, embody that, own that. And if you're scared to do that, like, let's look at why, because that lights the fuck out of me. Excuse my language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm receiving that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. The wisdom and the truth in that just feels powerful. And yeah, walking miracles. Again, it, it, to your point, and I love the way, like the reminder when we really, really drop into us <laughs> and the magic that we are, to your point, it's like, can we just take a moment to realize that? So good. So good. Yeah. I've been trying to have a gratitude practice, like when I wake up and right before I go to bed and just say the things that I'm grateful for. And sometimes it is just, I'm grateful I woke up today. Grateful to have a bed right now. I'm grateful that I get to serve another day in this vessel. Absolutely. I love that. And it, and it, and it can be that simple, right? It doesn't have to be this 50 list things of gratitude because it's, it's can you experience the true emotion of the beauty of life? And I, and I feel you on that. And yeah, I can relate to that of just something, whatever we want to call that is keeping our heart beating. And I, and I always reflect on that to your point of like, it doesn't, ask anything of us it just does it and it blows my mind every time i really tap into that it's wild to me and yet people think that like miracles don't happen or like magic isn't real like you are walking magic (laughs) that's like you are a miracle (laughs) what do you mean you don't believe in miracles you are a miracle (laughs) i love that i love that that's awesome. Beautiful. Well, by the way, I really appreciate you sharing your your stories and experience with your dad as well. Just really, really thank you for your vulnerability and your willingness to share that with us. And yeah, at this point, I'm curious what else, if anything, you feel called to share with anyone listening, with anyone who decides to, to go deeper on this path, whatever we want to call it, healing, spirituality. What else, if anything, do you want them to know as they continue on their journey? I think two things come to mind. The one is uh, thank you for recognizing and honoring that space, that that vulnerability. You know, people think that they go through those experiences and there's almost shame around it. And there's like fear in not wanting to make anyone uncomfortable or like things like that. And to my point of don't let your song go unsung, if I don't share that, someone else who needs to hear that doesn't hear it. And so I think it's as challenging as it can be to be vulnerable, one, knowing the spaces in which that it's safe to do so, and two, the importance of which to do so. Because we're all going through something. And to know that we have community that has also experienced it or have already gone through it and know that there's another side to it is so needed. And two, the other thing that I want people to recognize after all of this, as well as the healing journey and transformation is challenging. Yes. And it's also a lot of fun. There is medicine in joy. There is medicine in play. There is medicine in in happiness. And so as, and this is something where I still continue to work on as you go through your healing journey, make sure you're also playing. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's helpful to create that energy because if you're not creating that energy, then you're not making it safe for other people to have that energy. 
And we need more joy in the world. We need more love and healing in the world. And so, yes, you need to do your healing work. And also healing work doesn't always have to be begrudgent. <laughs> I love your face when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. And the finding joy and play in the journey is, is massive, right? Because I can, I'll just speak quickly on my experience with that because it can be serious stuff. I mean, it, it, get, it, it gets deep sometimes. And I had one mentor once tell me, uh, Ronit is her name. If she ever listens, she said this once, and I say it all the time in my workshops. Now I'm like, it's serious work, but we don't have to be serious about it. And to your point and, yes. and that having the joy and the fun, I'm just resonating personally with that deeply with what you just shared, because it's so true. You know, even when we start to encounter the challenges, at least in my experience, at some point we start to find some humor in, in, in it in a beautiful way, not like in a, in a weird way, but you start to be able to see how much we get identified with the delusion. <laughs> yeah. And I think the last thing that I wanted to add is like, I recognize that there is massive privilege in us being able, one, to have this conversation, two, to be able to do the work that we do, and three, to be able to have gone through these experiences through the ways in which we have to be able to get out to the other side. Because in some spaces, I want to acknowledge that, that that doesn't seem like an option and that the odds are stacked against you and know that you are worthy and capable and loved and supported even when it seems really dark and i know that there are some really dark spaces right now but the more that we can lean into hope and that we can make change those with the privilege can make changes within our own life to support those that don't see the light i think is also incredibly important yeah absolutely ah so good and last question i wasn't planning to ask you this but you mentioned something that i think can be relevant because I think you have a unique perspective on it, but how do you work when you, with uh, the balance of continuing to your point, finding joy and the hope and, and doing your best in the world of showing up in the best way you can, while also not necessarily dismissing the realities of the world that sometimes people can lose hope with? Yeah, I, I think I still struggle with that challenge. I can get really hard on myself sometimes of like, should I be posting this? Should I be sharing this right now? On like both sides of this, the coin, right? And I remind myself that I am here in the space to do what I'm meant to do in the ways in which I'm able to do them. What I can control, I will control. And what I can't, I have to pray and let go. So whether it's different things, like the things that I can control, I know I can control where I spend my money. And that is also a way in which we support or don't support causes or people or things. And so there, there's a boycott happening this week to, not, to try to not spend money with big box companies. And so I'm doing my best to honor that. I think I have done that this week. I don't think I've bought anything from a big box company. But to have that intention to set those boundaries and also be graceful with yourself if you fuck up. And knowing that I am creating spaces for healing to emulate that energy and to expand that out. So that's the thing that I can control. I can't, I know what my superpowers are. I can share those superpowers with the people around me and beyond. I know that that's going to create a ripple effect of energy out into the world. I love it. Wisdom. 
drop. Let's go. Yeah, there's there's a lot to to potentially unpack there, but I think I think the message is clear, right? And it's what stood out to me is not dismiss the the events or whatever's going on, but really focus on what we can control. And it sounds like what you're mentioning is well, what we what we can control is us living, doing our best. And what I also heard you say in that is by doing that, like by doing your best and focusing on what you can control, that you're actually having the greatest effect that you can have on humanity, if you will. It's the intention. It's the awareness. It's the awareness and then the intention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then action. Yes, yes, yes. Amazing. Well, we are pretty much at the at the closeout here. So obviously, I want you to share what you're up to in the world nowadays and how people can find you if they want to work with you or connect with you and any final closing words on your behalf. Thanks friend. I, as mentioned earlier, I am currently a doctor of chiropractic student. I am not quite doctor yet, but soon to be. I have one more year until I'd be in preceptorship. So if you want to come catch these hands within like the end of the year, you can come to Hayward. I'll be in clinic. <laughs> um, otherwise, currently only really have capacity to do Oracle card readings. I have a calendar on my Instagram that books me out for like there's two days that I have each month. And they are either one card or three card readings, um, depending on what what you need guidance with. And ultimately, they become a coaching session. So instead of doing three, six-month-long coaching programs, I have capacity right now to only do 30 minutes to an hour at a time. And then with that, uh, I'm still leading women's circles or healing circles. We are starting to try to step away from the, the gender of things and lean more into the energy of things. So more feminine circles versus it being women circles only. So still leading circles. And that looks like vulnerability, sharing, dancing, moving, breathing, uh, creating together. And it's been really beautiful to to witness people and their growth in those spaces. I feel like that's it for now. Love it. Okay. Well, we'll have all those links in the show notes. So thank you for sharing and thank you for spending time here. And obviously, as always, deeply appreciate your wisdom and so so proud of you. I mean, that's the main thing. Just like, damn, you're an amazing human and so grateful to to be connected with you. Thanks, friend. I feel the same way. Just so grateful to be able to witness you and your growth and to be in your presence and the magic that you are and the wisdom that you get to share with the world. So thank you for having me on. I'm so honored. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll have a, a repeat. And yeah, find all the links in the show notes and connect with Leilani. She is pure magic. Thanks. Love ya.